what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. I'm with the band, your front row ticket to interviews and jam sessions with up and coming artists. This is Chad Austin, and this month's episode of I'm With The Band features Hickory Bread but Nashville-based Maddie McCree. Newly signed to Driving Red Records, his new EP, Just One Night Away, will be out in about a month. He's also got a live three-piece album coming out just before Christmas. Let's listen. Tim Tad, hello. wonder if she's ever been broken down before. As if to cause some distraction. She turns around slow And every eye upon her back As she walks out the door Today in the studio we have Maddie McCree Who has joined us from Nashville uh, Originally from Hickory, but now Nashville, right? Yeah, by way of From Greenville, South Carolina By way of Hickory, now Nashville Now let's talk about that then So when did you make the move from Greenville To Hickory? Uh, 1994 I've started at Lenore Ryan College and uh, stayed in Hickory from 94 to about 2003 Mm -hmm. and then moved to Nashville until present present day still in Nashville still in Nashville well you used to play in a a band called Temple Terrace yes and were you a part of the Norva Jean dream no so that was after the fact yes now those guys and you were still a, a, a tight knit a uh, group of people. Yep. Uh, Jason Roseman. Now, I don't know everybody in that group, but I know that you you guys have always been together. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you talk about some of those guys and who they are since they're still part of this community here? Um, yeah, me and Jason Roseman were, uh, we started Temple Terrace as a two-man acoustic, and it grew to a four-man before I moved. They're a good band. Norva Jean Dream, good, good band. Matt Riggs, good drummer. Rob Walmsley, incredible. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Was the mood to go to Nashville sudden? Did they know that it was coming? I wouldn't say it was sudden, but it was uh, – we lost our bassist. He quit, and uh, I wanted to relocate because I thought we were good enough mm-hmm. to get out from not uh, taken away from the Catawba Valley area, but it's not a music mecca like Nashville. I said, right. let's go somewhere else. And Charlotte wasn't an option. We'd been playing Charlotte for years. So I was like, let's move. Everybody was pretty content to stay, so I went on. You know, that's something that I want to touch on. I've been playing Charlotte for years, and it's so disappointing that there's so many great musicians, and they all choose the cover tune path, just about. Mm -hmm. The few who don't have about three places to play. Yeah, and struggle. And struggle. You don't make any money. No. I mean, to the audience, if you're in a cover tune band, you can go between... When you're starting out, you might be able to do three to four hundred a night. Once you get established, you can move up to the seven, eight hundred dollar range. Before the economy hit, if you were fortunate enough, you could get up to the eleven, twelve hundred dollar yeah. range, especially some of the dancier clubs. The good old days. The good old days. Yeah, that's called gone to pot. But if you're a, a an original artist, I mean, you're you're doing good to get one hundred and fifty a night, and then you got the tip jar going on. Yep. So, when you made the move to Nashville, has any of that changed? Well, uh, you don't make money playing covers or doing originals, and <laughs> so I don't know. It's just such a great place. Everybody's so good, and everybody's in the same boat. So you can 
you can meet and put together a band within two minutes if you needed to, and everybody realizes that they may, they may get 20, 25 bucks a piece to play the show, and they don't care. They're happy for the work. Let's go. Let's play. It's not like that anywhere else. Did, uh, do you have to have a second job? Yeah, I'm a substitute teacher. Are you really? Yeah. Glamorous. <laughs> well, well, hey, you know, whatever pays the bills. And it keeps you in the uh, spotlight. Yeah. So you get to be able to talk. <laughs> right. That's Stay what, in front of people. That's what Sting did. <laughs> okay. So uh, any particular class or do you just, whatever they tell you, you got to go teach? Uh, yeah, from pre-K to 12th grade. Uh, good schools, bad schools, <laughs> mostly bad because the state will give me more money to do bad school. Well, how often can you work as a substitute teacher? Just about every day. Really? Yeah, it's tough at the beginning of the year. It's tough right after Christmas to find sub jobs because teachers are, you know, minding their P's and Q's for the first week or two of school, and then they start dropping like flies. And it's, you know, Really? Yeah. They realize what kind of job they have. and they. Well, now, why a substitute teacher? I mean, is, did you have a background in that already? Um, no, I started doing it here in Hickory before I moved. It's uh, The best thing about it to me is I don't hate it. I can deal with kids. And then uh, if I have to be gone for however many days, if I have to just up and leave town, I won't get fired. Well, that's true. Yeah. You just accept the job or you don't. It's it's treated as a part-time job. So it's very flexible, very nice. Well, when you say that you can up leave town, does that mean that, uh, that your act can go on the road and does go on the road? Yeah. So pick how up, Pick up shows whenever. Um, if I'm not – I try to stay booked around Nashville doing um, – I'd say once a week, at least once a week, I go and play something for nothing, you know, whether it be just somebody invited me out to play with them or a writer's round or something. Um, so I try to stay in town and stay in front of people as much as I can. Stay booked. I got um, two or three regular gigs in in Nashville and Bellevue, Franklin area. Like the the satellites, you can still make a little bit of money. Right. It's not like downtown Nashville, like Broadway. Of course, I'm not a honky tonker. Anyway, I couldn't do a five hour set of honky tonk, so or country. But if I get one or two shows out of town, I'll just get going. You know, I mean, it's where the where the money is right <laughs> now do you ever run into anybody like uh you know here at churches from here mm-hmm. did you ever run into him before he started hitting it big you know what i when i first moved up there in 2003 uh, my good friend annette moved with me and uh, i think she knew eric i'm i'm not sure i'm blurred roseman remembers back in the day him playing the blues room oh yeah in yeah. the tap room yeah tap room okay i I don't recall. I just uh, I, maybe that period was very blurry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I don't I might remember. I think I remember his name, seeing his name like in the paper, or Focus or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember him being on any of the marquees or anything uh, back when he was supposedly playing the same places that we were playing. Yep. Um, I don't I don't recall ever. I probably did see him, mm-hmm. but I don't recall. It. What a great writer, though. Good he really is, and you know. Uh, there was a show like this that I was doing at uh, Hickory Daily Record for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and he came in and was super nice. He was as cool as you would hope that he would be. Uh, we we hit it off really well, actually. It's funny. I We were playing a show at Sgt. Pepper's the next night, and we got done and got off the air, and I said, hey, uh, what are you doing tomorrow night? And he goes, I got a show at uh, Raleigh's Verizon. Mm-hmm. And I said, really? Uh, darn. And he said, why? And I said, well, I was going to ask you to come out to the show tomorrow night. Uh, but let me see, four hundred eighteen thousand. You know what a what a tough juggling act right there. <laughs> but he was really cool. He went out of his way to come to the show. I mean, to or to come to the interview. It really out of his way. That's cool. Yeah, good fella. And he he is he's a clever songwriter. Mm-hmm. When you get to Nashville, 
do you uh, do you notice right away that there's a click of the inside and then the outside? People on the end, you know, that have the jobs that uh, I mean, the regular paying jobs, and then there's those that are on the outside that may get a job here and there, but for the most part, they're on the outside. Yeah, um, I, it's more like nobody. I mean, everybody's jealous of whoever's making money and staying in work and whatever. But it's like. Uh, for example, you could be a player, you could be a, a guitar player or a drummer or whatever, and you could go up there and you could get hooked up with a, a little country gig that's not paying much, but then all of a sudden the artist gets signed or whatever and you're gone. So you're on the road for the next year making bank. Or you could be that guy that's a really great drummer and gets or a guitarist or whatever and gets uh, hooked up with a, an artist who's supposed to be the deal. And you play with him for six months, and you don't make hardly any money because the the label's not backing them and stuff. It's just a crapshoot. So everybody looks at it like that. Studio musicians and those who stay in work, like with regular gigs and stuff, don't look down on the other half that are just trying to break in and get some gigs and whatnot. Everybody's in the same boat. You had uh, talked about you weren't a honky tonk style uh, artist. Now, of all the people that you see coming into Nashville and that are based around Nashville. What do you think the ratio is of songwriter slash artist? No, let me rephrase that. Well, let's say country to other styles. Um, it's much different now than it was when I moved. It When I moved, it was mainly country. It was probably 70-30 country. It's got to be 60-40 now at at most. Maybe, maybe more other styles than that. You think it's because of the crossover in country that's going on so much? Yep, because yep, country's not the same at no. all. you know it's now it's pop so it's like the writers are writing stuff that they could pitch to Carrie Underwood or then they could pitch it to Kesha you know right same song yeah with some production differences that's right and so it's like it's a little different in writing for Reba McIntyre and then writing for you know Kesha or one of these pop you know people uh, now Nashville's known as the uh, songwriters uh, which I forget there's a certain term, but it's where all the best songwriters in the world are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Do you find that to be true? I've gone to some writer's rounds before. It blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. Four people sitting up there, and every song they sing is a number one that they've written. Wow. Yeah. Ridiculous. So I take it you go and try to hone in your craft as a writer? Yeah. I, I've jumped into some of these rounds with some of these writers and stuff, and it just it, it pumps you up. It does. It makes you want to write better songs, but never been a, fa- a fan of writer's rounds. Really? Yeah. Just a bunch of artists waiting to get have their turn up there. That's right. So you get the open mic clap, you know, after every <laughs> song. Nobody cares. There's no emotion. Nobody's really listening. They're like, come on, when's my slot? You know? That's right. But uh, I don't know. I'm not jaded about it. Not yet. But <laughs> I hate them. I hate writers, man. Well, how, many, uh, how many songs do you think you've written? Um, I've probably completed 20, 30 songs. Well, more than that. I probably completed 30, 30 or 40 songs. I probably have ideas for 150 songs. Mm. <laughs> you know, Do you have a recording set up at all? Uh, we actually just did in the house. We have one in a, a closet. It's a, it's a cool setup. I can't wait to get back and uh, start working on that. Me and my roommate, um, he drew, he's a construction guy, and he, man, he made this whole, like, Double doored closet into this. Uh, it's got a MIDI keyboard and everything's just a, a board set up and uh, monitors coming back. So I can't wait to demo some stuff on that. That'd be cool. Is it like Pro Tools setup? Yeah, I think he's got Pro Tools. It's uh, 
uh, he's a drummer, so it's uh, he's what's that other? There's another program like uh, Pro Tools, Pro, Pro Tools, Logic, Cubase, yeah, Logic, probably Logic, because uh, don't a lot of people make beats with Logic or whatever? I think so. Logic is more songwriting oriented. Why don't we take a listen to one of your songs? Okay, this is a uh, uh, Closer to More. Yeah, uh, this is a song that came out of your 2006 release, mm-hmm. and uh, there is also YouTube of this as well. You filmed the video for it. Uh, I think so. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a live, some live. So you're saying I know more about you yeah. than you? Uh, I'm, I stalk, I'm a Maddie stalker. <laughs> <laughs> you freak. <laughs> well, let's take a listen. This one's called Closer to More. Offers up a half body attempt at hello. I wonder if she's ever been broken down before. As if to cause some distraction, she turns around slow. And every eye upon her back as she walks out the door. It's not like I'm the only one. She's done this before But I wish that she knew who I was To have something better than more But closer to more Closer to more Now the drink's taking over And I'm ringing her phone Can I visit you? I hope it's not too late She said I don't want to hurt you But I'm not here alone You call me back again in a day or two And I'll talk to you, okay No, I'm not the only one had it again But I wish that she knew who I was to To have something better than this Closer to more Closer to more For the poor man who's taken my place yeah, For the poor man who's taken my place Boy.
to the core But I wish that she knew who I was To have something better than more Closer to more We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Question for you about Nashville. Uh, have you ever played the birdcage? Nope. Is that something you're striving to do? Or is that still the pinnacle place to play? Um, you know, it was like the the bluebird and all that was – I've played just about every little venue, no matter how prestigious, on the not-so-prestigious night. <laughs> you know, <laughs> never a Friday or Saturday. But uh, – it's great. I mean, there's, I'm glad to, to be on the same stage as these people who have graced it, but not a big deal. <laughs> you know, not a big deal. Well, since your last release was 2006, mm-hmm. um, and you're a substitute teacher as your main job, and you talked about not being able to have a whole lot of money from the gigs themselves. So is that one of the reasons why it's been a while since a, a release? Financially, it was difficult as a, a greenie when I – when I did, when I cut the first record in 2006 and got it pressed and everything, I was doing everything on my own. So I hired a production company, and uh, we rented a, a state-of-the-art studio and did everything. Buy the book. Buy the book. Regret. Yep. Why? I have a, I have a regret that I didn't get the people the people I met around about the time that I was making the record. I met a pack of people who I would have loved to play on the album instead of what, you know, we had some good players on the album, no doubt. Charlie Judge and some of them. I mean, Charlie does all the stuff on Faith Hills. I mean, the arrangements on Faith Hills and stuff, and he's a, a great keyboard guy. But, uh, yeah, I would change the players. But anyway, it came out, it, it came out well, I think the, the song stand up. And financially, it was tough to rebound from that. Because uh, I didn't go out and sell ten thousand the first week. How many did you get pressed? Twenty five hundred. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it probably set you back three or four thousand dollars just from that. Uh, yeah. The the having it pressed was rough. The the production cost and everything it just stacks up. Everything stacks mm-hmm. up. So now everybody's making albums in their in their basement mm-hmm. and they sound like they're in this state of the art studio that yep. we used which was nice I'm glad for the um, to have the experience of being in there but once again no big deal <laughs> you know <laughs> what about the new album the the new album's going to be an EP 
I did it over the last. It's it's kind of embarrassing to think about now. It's taken me over two years, two and a half years to do song by song as I had the money. Mm-hmm. And then right when I finish everything except press and the CD, now I've signed with a um, new record label. Oh, cool. Congratulations. Which would have picked up everything. Thank you. Which would have picked <laughs> up all the tabs that I paid. And uh, timing sucks. But, uh, yeah, oh, it's exciting. So I can't wait. In the next uh, – it, it, the release of this EP should be um, within the next 40 days. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, cool. So I'm excited about having something new to sell. As a songwriter, do you feel that when a producer comes in and works with you that since they're changing the song and the presentation of the song, that they should be getting songwriting credit? No. No, I don't think a producer uh, – a producer's job is to do that, but I don't think he should get publishing points for that. That's just personal, I think. I mean, you created the song. He's polishing it into what he wants. I mean, he should get enough enough credits on the on the album and enough points on the album to where he shouldn't be worried about your publishing credits. And I, I just think the artist should keep all those. Hmm. That's personal, though. That's an opinion. I don't Especially when the when the producer is uh, reputable and you know sought after, and then you get him to work on your thing, he's going to take what he wants, and you're going to be happy to give it to him because if you know you want him to make it into a hit, make it into what everybody wants to hear. How do you feel about uh, people downloading music for free when you spend all this money on a recording? I forgot about that. I really have. I don't even think about that. Burning CDs, getting stuff for free and whatnot. Mm, it's cool. Have you had somebody come up to you and say, hey, man, I got a copy of your album. I love it. I burned a copy from my sister's friend. Or mm, I've never had anybody walk up on me and, you know, or like I, people joke about that. People, people um, for the most part, um, joke about it because they know that it's a big deal to artists who are struggling financially. So they'll say um, – Man, I need to get one of your CDs, and I'm like, cool. Well, I'll have them Saturday, and they're like, well, that's cool. No, or I'll just burn so and so's, and then they'll laugh because they know it's funny. It's funny to joke about that because it is a big deal. But still, if people, if somebody in Oregon burns my CD from somebody else, mm-hmm. good, right, good. It's publicity. So what's the difference between somebody in Oregon and somebody in Hickory or Nashville or Greenville or Atlanta? burning my stuff that's good maybe let somebody else hear it you know and then maybe they get on itunes or whatever and and buy it where's your bigger fan base at your largest fan base i would say franklin just south of nashville would be um i don't know hickory's it's hard to tell if people come out in hickory because it's you know they know who's playing Mm -hmm. or i mean i do see a lot of familiar faces that uh roseman's told me that they don't ever see Right. So that makes me feel good. So they're coming out to see me, but it's hard to tell if, you know, they're coming out anyway. I mean, that's the way Hickory is. Friday and Saturday night, you get a gig at one of these places, and if it's not packed, then there's a problem, you know, because all these people are coming out. We're going to do something that we've been doing a lot. This can be a hit or miss. It's a word association, phrase association. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I have to keep it PG now. <laughs> Darn it. We're going to change that. It's going to start going rated R and we're going to have, we're going to talk about like shaving monkeys. 
Tell me what you think about the Iranian hikers. Um, take water. <laughs> Digital recording versus analog. Um, analog. I know the answer to this already, but uh, all-time favorite artist. Or maybe I don't know the answer. Well, it's changed. All used time. To, used to be Patsy Cline. And now. <laughs> <laughs> um, all-time favorite artist would be, I don't know, Billy Joel's up there. Really? Yeah. He's, uh, um, I always get into, I get into it with Rob all the time about, he loves Elton John. Mm-hmm. He's like he is the best artist of all time. I'm like, well, let's let's look at that. Obviously, he writes the melodies and he writes the lyrics, or he writes the melodies and he writes the, um, the whatever. And he's got Bernie over there writing every bit of lyric. You know? Right. So it's how can you call him the you know the total package artist when you got Billy Joel over here doing everything, right? Even getting in on the production. Do do you think that uh, songwriters have their peak? That's usually an evident question, but I don't. As I as I have gotten older, I don't find that to be true. I don't think it's true either. No, I think it's like wine; they get better. Yeah, Um, yeah. There, it's it's uh, as you get older and life starts to get in the way, it's it's easier to uh, uh, get worse. What sucks about getting older? is you're trying to be relevant with your thoughts, like what's happening on the radio and what kids are, you know. Hell, when you're 35, you're trying to write for what 20-year-olds want. Right. It's tough. Oh, yeah. You know, so you're trying to be relevant, and it starts coming out sounding terrible. Right, you know? right. Whereas when you were 20, you could write for you, cause that, and then it's hitting the demographic. That's right. What is your memory of the best gig in Hickory? <laughs> also a toughie. <laughs> um. You know what? When I think about Hickory and I think about the best gigs, I think about what I took for granted was when we were playing at Sundries and uh, Frosty was there, you know, right? and he was all behind us. I think our trips to Charlotte and stuff to play with Frosty, when we used to get down and play the crazy the, the Bar Charlotte and stuff, like oh, they yeah. didn't even have bands, and they would let us come in there and play and then give us a free tab. Yep, I can remember about two hours of that. <laughs> Eight hour ordeal, but no, I, 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 yeah. we did have we did have a running weekly gig at uh, the adult dancing facility out there on seventy for. Uh, <laughs> that was about two months of every week, once a week, going out there and playing while the girls danced. That was a that was ridiculous. <laughs> that was just ridiculous. You gentlemen have been playing the same song for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like you just dropped a verse and a bridge. What happened? And I'm like, well, you know, Jade is up here now dancing. So, um, With the all-time favorite artists, I actually thought you were going to say uh, uh, Rob Thomas. Yeah, love Rob. Yeah, We just talked about, uh, me and Jinx talked about him last night. He's so good. So good. Let's talk about the new EP, Just One Night Away. Yeah. And this is out on a label called Driving Red Records. Yes. Now, are they affiliated with any major label? No. No, they're... They're Total uh, independent? Total independent. But they are financing? Yes. That's very nice. That is nice. (laughs) (laughs) Praise be. (laughs) They give you full creative freedom? Oh, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Good people. What about a producer? Um, Yes, we have one. And uh, yes, I was... 
him. No, I'm just kidding. I, I did. I did. Uh, I got to produce on this, on these five songs. There's five five songs on the record, and uh, I got to produce on them. So, uh, why an EP as opposed to a full length album? Um, I think the genres on this one are a bit different than the first album. What are you What are you going towards? Um, this one has kind of a pop country second track and some some kind of ballads but then it's got the rock and stuff too so i don't i, I figured i i like the way that uh, uh jason moraz put out eps before he put out his album he put out acoustic eps three of them mm-hmm. with five songs on them and um that turned me on because he put them out like the f- three weeks before the album come every week he would put out a, a different ep so i was thinking every time i get five songs together and get in the studio and do them well, I'd like to put them out. Because the way that digital downloads and stuff are going, right? I know it It sucks for the, the hardcore, old school, you know, we want an album, we want a real record, like a, a 12, 13, 14 songs, whatever. Right. Now it's become like, nobody wants the vinyl of it, they just want to be able to download it, so they put it on their iPod and go about their business. You know? Right. So, if I get songs finished, I'm going to start pumping them out you know i mean that's the way especially now that i'm being backed financially i can if i have an idea and i get a song finished and i want to get in the studio and do it now i can do it and i don't have to worry about taking out a loan or which credit cards maxed out or you know my fun financial life right the future is wide open man i can't wait this is it's getting better and better excellent good for you thank you You got any uh, big shows coming up that you want to plug um, the CD release party will be we've narrowed it down to two or three venues so I can't really re- re- release the date nor the venue so no that um, check my Facebook uh, facebook.com slash Maddie McCree and um, I usually uh, keep within two two to three days of shows updated so excellent yeah. well thank you for coming in to the studio today and talking with us absolutely are you traveling back tonight uh no i'm playing uh tonight at sundries and then um hitting the road tomorrow oh excellent mm-hmm. well thanks for coming and talking with us we appreciate it absolutely thank you for having me uh you gonna place a song on the way out yep excellent this one's called uh together this will be on the new ep remember when we first met you were the finest thing I'd seen I never will forget you kept your distance but I knew it from the start if you gave me just one chance I'd never lose your heart time had just stood still right now I see looking back at me because you know I love you always And let's leave forever Let's not too far to see Dancing through this crazy life will always be Together Time changed us On this carousel ride Giving up on faith Yeah, I can see it in your eyes You've forgotten 
how sweet love can be. But hellos, goodbyes, and empty trials led you back to me, and now I see looking back at me. It's fine because you know I love you always, endlessly forever. It's not too far to see Dancing through this crazy life I'll always be Together No more crying now Those silly lies Those days came to an end Oh, that you held my hand And let me in well, You're my best friend Thank God I see Looking back at me Smiling cause you know I love you always Endlessly forever It's not too far to see Dancing through this crazy life I'll always be And now I see Looking back at me Smiling cause you know I love you always Endlessly forever Oh, it's not too far to see Dancing through this crazy life I'll always be You're dancing through this crazy life I'll always be Together been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.